You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Feed with Mike and Mark. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my co-host Mike. How you doing, Mike? Not too bad. And yourself? Good. We've had a good week here. Peaches continues to to flourish. Uh, we were playing trivial. The teachers of Peaches. Uh, exactly. Take a listen. But we uh, we we played Trivial Pursuit today, and as always, she climbed into the box. She loves the the lid of the Trivial Pursuit box is one of her favorite places to sleep. So anytime yeah, we kids love boxes. Yeah, anytime we play it, she'll crawl in there and just you curl up, use her claws to rip a little bit of the side <laughs> and lay down. You scare like a little tent, she might like that because you know they're enclosed even more. Because I guess it's like a you know defense type thing. Like in the wild, apparently, you know they'll try and find a spot where that's most defensible. Yeah, we have a. We have a little—I don't want to call it necessarily a cave, but it's a—it's a cat bed that that has like a top and and you know like a—it looks almost like a doghouse, I guess, but it's you know it's soft and, and indoors. And she'll she'll go in there, you know, a decent amount of the time. She likes to hang out in there. Nice. Oh, uh, so anything exciting going on with you this week, Mike? Uh, well, uh, for those who aren't aware, uh, in Michigan, uh, recently restaurants opened up, mm-hmm. uh, Monday. Yep. So my wife and I, and my youngest uh, daughter, my oldest was at a gas pool party. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so we went and that was nice. And it's just so weird how like a, it's like a return to normalcy. It's just like how odd that it's been that like, you know, three months, it seems like uh, we've been basically locked down from doing anything like that. Yeah, pretty much. It, were, were there a lot of people there? Was it uh, sparsely? No, they actually, they, I think there's like a capacity limit, but I, they did actually like like section it off. Like every other table, they had put something on, like, you know, clothes or something like that. Interesting. And we actually we actually had on the outdoor patio, which we were the only ones there. So the poor waiter, who was the only wait person there, was uh, probably not very happy with us. <laughs> These fucks out on the patio. Yeah. Well, you know, that's that's part of the job, I guess, right? Yeah. Somebody got to feed them hogs. Um, so, <laughs> so I guess we'll, we'll go on to the, uh, the parents guide game before we really get into, to things today. I've yes, got the movie that we both completely 100% watch the entirety of. <laughs> Did you not see the ending? No. Uh, okay. Well, by now those Hollywood movies go. I'll spoil it for you. I'll spoil it for you when we talk about it, because the yeah, ending. No, I actually do know the end. I, I had known it a while ago, just because I heard it had like a twist ending, and I'm a sucker for those. Uh, you know, look at my uh, contributions to uh, M Night Shyamalan's bank account. Exactly. So uh, the first, the first clue that I have for you in this Adam Sandler <laughs> this movie is uh, there is a bit of this is under sex and nudity. There is a bit of kissing. A brief looking down a blouse, a few innuendos, uh, and a mention of a full-on chubby. Uh, let's see a, a and yeah, that's that's um the rest of it would give it away too much. So that's uh, National Lampoon Vacation. No. Let's see under violence and gore. Uh, let's see. <laughs> 
Didn't they run for office in uh, 98? Yeah, I believe they did. <laughs> they almost made it, too. Uh, let's see. Son of a bitch, is there any any one of these where they don't just completely ruin the plot? Uh, I'm going to go to profanity real quick. Uh, many rude comments are said to some of the main characters, <laughs> including bullocks. Huh. Are you sure I've seen this movie? I tend to shy away from movies that have the word bullocks in them. I think you've seen it, yeah. Like Speed 2, for example. Right. It's not Speed 2, though. Uh, what the fuck is uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. No, although that is that is a good movie. Uh, I haven't seen it. The, the others in profanity are one obscene gesture, several uses of dick, and two uses of fag, and it's, deriv- and it's derivatives. What? Isn't that a derivative? Yeah, I don't know. what What is the derivative of fag? Fa? Fago? Uh, pussy weeds, or puss weeds, and shit. Once when, I, once when I think my brother was like eight, uh, he wanted like an earring or something like that, you know? Because it was uh-huh. cool at the time. Yep. Uh, don't worry, it was a left one, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, my my aunt uh, Terry made a joke that uh, he he drank too much Fago, so that's why he wanted, wanted an earring. And, it's, <laughs> and I think you know, I was like, like I don't understand this joke. <laughs> oh my gosh! So derivative. What a derivative! Uh, what did you say? I'm sorry. What was the movie again? I'm not telling you the movie. Uh, uh, Blooming Group, the movie. That is close, but no. Uh, all right. So drugs, alcohol, and smoking. There is one scene where someone's... <laughs> I, how can I... There is one scene with a man smoking, which implies that he'll die by lung cancer. What? If okay, so all right, I'm just gonna you're gonna get it, but I'll just fucking I'll read it out the whole thing. There is one quick scene where the Grim Reaper says, See you real soon to a man smoking, implying his death by lung cancer. Why, yes, correct. Bill and Ted's focus journey. Thank you for being a friend. Uh, yes, so all the other ones, like in the beginning. Uh, Dinamlos, Rufus's teacher, storms into Bill and Ted University and gunfire is used. Like, uh, it is implied that Rufus is lost in the circuits of time. The robots kill the real Bill and Ted by pushing them off a cliff. He, uh, Bill and Ted, Melvin, him, doubt death himself. There's like all these clues are like, I can't read any of this. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I take it you've seen the uh, the trailer for Bill and Ted Part Three: Face the Music. Well, the the trailer for Bill and Ted Part Three is why I chose Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey for uh for, for your sure. your thing. Oh well, yeah, I figured as much. I definitely want to talk about it. Did you, so you did see it then? Yeah, I did. Yes. I haven't seen it. Do you want to live watch it with me real quick? Yeah, here. Let, wait, here. You, you you provide the link. How about it? Okay, I'll provide you a link because I can actually play. I'll provide the stink. I, I can actually play the audio through my phone right over this thing, too, and so we can all we can all watch it. All right, let me. Yeah, uh, and yesterday was six nine, which is a big number in the uh, astro- astronomy of the world uh, 
of Bill and Ted. Hold on, are you? I, I, I'm not watching the video though. I need to see a picture. No, I know. I'm 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 copying, and I'm gonna send you a link here, and then we're gonna try to start at the exact same time. What could possibly go right? All right, so there's the link of the one that I'm going to be watching. Let me get through this commercial because Lord knows we're not providing uh, free advertising <laughs> for whatever shitty car company this is. <laughs> Sorry, Volvo. I guess I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Oops. All right. I love that Orion Pictures is back, by the way. Who? Orion Pictures. Oh, really? Is it? Yeah, that's uh, that's who is putting on this movie, Orion. Oh, 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 oh Orion. Orion. <laughs> In MGM Comedy. All right, let me know when you're ready, and then we'll do a little. All right, hold on a sec. We'll do a little countdown, and then we'll press start. <laughs> but this way, all the listeners will get to hear it too. This is very entertaining yes. for them, I can only imagine. Uh, Alright, I'll turn my all right, I'll turn my audio off. I'm I don't think okay, I don't have any commercials, so to, oh hold on, what the fuck? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, the first official trailer for Bill and Ted face the music. All right, go ahead and play the audio, because my thing's not working right. You ready to watch it? Yep, go. 25 years ago, you played a concert in front of the entire world. One month ago, you played in Barstow, California for 40 people, most of whom were there for $2 taco night. Bill and Ted, what have you got to say for yourselves? Be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. We were supposed to unite the world and save reality as we know it. Bill, we've spent our whole life trying to write the song that will unite the world. Why can't we just go to the future when we have written it? Whoa! Take it from ourselves! But isn't that stealing? Is that stealing if we're stealing it from ourselves, dude? No way! How'd you like our song? It's a little on the dark side, but you know, that's cool. So that is it. That is the trailer for Bill and Ted Face the Music. It doesn't look bad. No, it doesn't. And I like we talked about before, in in especially in the era when this when this when Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey came out, it was an era of horrible sequels, especially to comedies. Comedies would get popular, and then they'd be like, "Oh, well, let's cash in and we'll make we'll make another one and make a bunch of money." And they were just retread over and over again. And in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, they did something actually really innovative and interesting and a lot you know like using the same characters using the same world but different for the sequel so i it's the same creative team i trust them to to you know to i to give them the benefit of the doubt anyway uh and it looks yeah it looks decent 
they're going to. Yeah, be- I mean, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I, I I like both the actors. I like the franchise. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, Keanu Reeves looks quite old uh, as Bill, but I'm pretty sure because How he doesn't. How dare you? How dare you? Well, here's the thing: because he doesn't. As Bill, he doesn't look like Bill at all. He's not Bill. He's Ted. Yeah, I know. But uh, no, he looks he looks quite old as Ted, but he's not. He doesn't look old in real life. So yeah, I, I don't understand. I think they purposely made him look older for some reason. I'm, I'm not sure why, but I think there's something that they did where they make him look slightly older than he is because he looks older than he does in real life. And I, it might be the haircut. I'm not sure. The The long hair might be having a uh, an effect on his face. I don't know. Yeah. He's been through a lot. Someone killed his dog. That's true. That's true. Someone killed his dog and twice, right? And what did they do? Second one. Uh, see, see what's messed up about the when he gets the dog in the second one is uh he's driving. No, no, actually, this is the first one. He gets a dog from his wife. Mm-hmm. Then he's just driving around in giant donuts at top speed with his fucking dog in the car with him. He just has <laughs> no you know thought whatsoever towards his life. Yeah. Then someone shoots the dog, and he's like, "Oh, I love that dog." He's like, "No, you didn't. You were you were almost killing it the day the day earlier." You're not a responsible dog owner. He really isn't. No. So, yeah, the it's it, I'm I'm interested to see it. The other big news, well, not big. I I don't know if I'd call it big news, but the other news that I heard was that HBO Max has uh, temporarily taken Gone with the Wind off the air. Be off their app because of its uh, what what they say problematic uh, racial <laughs> things. So what they're gonna do is they're going to you mean historically accurate? Yeah, exactly. What they're gonna do is they're gonna create a disclaimer for it and then put it back on un, unaltered, unedited. But they want to have some sort of disclaimer to give it historical context or whatever. Like you know, hey, this was the time and this is. When this movie was made, this is how people thought when this book was written. This is how people thought the time period being portrayed. This is how people thought kind of thing. Yeah, that's dumb. Yeah, but uh, that's... Yeah. I Honestly, if, if you're unable to watch Gone with the Wind and disassociate it with like, you know, modern racial issues, you probably shouldn't be watching any kind of TV because you're just far too easily influenced. What if you watch like Tom and Jerry? You'll probably put a fucking break through your... <laughs> right. I don't understand why. So I guess, I guess companies just assume that everyone is completely stupid, that they can't. They're not entirely wrong, right? But I don't understand why you why it can't be on the person watching to do some research. And I'm predicting this within two years, they'll have options where you could deselect certain things. Like you, you could put you don't want to watch something with like you know rape or murder or Mm -hmm. sexual assault. Yep. Vampires or, uh, you know, a history. Right, exactly. There's, there was a, I can't remember if it's still out there, but there was a thing, uh, uh, some sort of device, and I believe it was created by a Christian organization, and it would sell, it would set, automatically censor different things. Like, it was like a TiVo like device, and it would automatically censor nudity. Something I, like that. I think so. Yeah, it was. It was a few years ago, but I remember. I remember them talking about it, and I remember people being upset because it was altering their their movies or whatever. And I remember thinking, "Look, this is dumb," 
but it's not going to change anything unless you actually buy it and put it on your screen and it only changes it for you. So who cares? <laughs> I'm not buying one, so it's not going to affect Wait. me. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand humans for the most part. No. No, our, av- our alien overlords are much more easy to understand. Intelligent AIs, thank you. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of AI, is that the is that the movie? Did I get it? Sure. <laughs> I like how you play the music though. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that movie. I, I I think it's way too long. Is is the biggest issue with it? Yeah, agreed. I've never seen. It's it. like the worst. Of, it's oh, you haven't seen it. No, it, it's a. Uh, it, it, it was a, an unfinished, uh, like Stanley Kubrick project. Yeah, I've heard of. I've going to be or going to be a douche yeah. Kubrick, right? Yeah, but I think it was finished by uh, Sylvester Stallone. No, Steven Spielberg. That's who it was. No, it was. Uh, you know, you know Stanley Steven Spielberg. Is. You know how Steven Spielberg's so anti-Nazi, but his initials are SS. <laughs> Make up your mind. Oh my god. That would be like if the leader of uh Black Lives Matter's name was uh like Carl Christopher Cross. <laughs> but it was actually Christopher Cross. Right. <laughs> when you get caught between Antifa and the we, fascists. <laughs> we just never saw his color. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what it was. Oh my goodness, Christopher Cross. Oh wow. Okay, there's there, this. There's not a lot for this one, but it starts off with a doozy. Okay, <laughs> and, and it, it's not really in proper context. All right. The previous post is incorrect. The woman's bra is see-through, and her nipples are visible for the entire duration of the scene. <laughs> scene spelled S-E-E-N, by the way. <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> I'll say hmm, kingpin. No. All right. Slapstick violence. Pratt falls. No blood. One character does receive electric shock, but not graphic. Home Alone 2. No. You know that big nipple scene in Home Alone 2? Yeah, you know when they're getting those nips out? Lost in New York. Correction. Correction. (laughs) That was wrong. And this wrong must be righted. (laughs) I can't sleep tonight unless I post this. (laughs) You know that would, person. Was... You know what I would love? I would love to see timestamps on these things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they all come at 3 o'clock in the morning. Or 2 p.m. <laughs> I tried to get over this, but <laughs> I couldn't do it. <laughs> Two abuses of Christ, five misuses of God. Uh, One is, instance of the... Is it the passion of the Christ? Yes. <laughs> to, to abuse. Yeah, all the other times it was used properly. <laughs> I always abuse more than twice. Oh my god, abuses of Christ. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, Four of the S word, six of damn, and six of hell. People say dick twice, once is a double entendre, bastard once, butt twice, bitch once, and crap once. Crap. This person considers crap to be a swear word. Oh my gosh. And this is considered to be moderate profanity, and two of two found this to be moderate profanity. Wow. These people vote. Crap. Sorry to get blue there, but... <laughs> oh. Hold on. 
I'd love to see. I'd love to hire one of these people to do to do a parents' guide to one of our episodes. Oh, that would be that would be awesome. Four uses of AIDS. <laughs> three of nine eleven. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Let's see. I think this is slapstick violence, huh? Probably observe and report. No, but that is on Netflix now. And that's a very interesting movie. Yeah, I have that's another one I haven't seen, but I've heard that it's that it's good. What have you seen, Mark? <laughs> I know I'm starting to sound like you at the beginning of this podcast. Right. The first couple episodes. Now Mike's now seen the everything. Hunter has become the hunted. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite part in all those, uh, you know, uh, futuristic, uh, you know, Manhunter type movies. Mm-hmm. Where there's like a point in every movie where it's like, ah, it's switched now. Now who's the hunter? Yep, exactly. I love that part. Ho, ho, ho. Now we should, so can someone edit together a, 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 like a scene of just those moments? That would be very pleasing to me. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe we'll put that on the YouTube channel. A uh, supercut of uh, now the hunters become the hunt become the hunted moments. Nice. So look for that on YouTube. Yep. But only you, only the one listener I'm talking to. You know who you are. The rest of you, fuck off. Oh, I might have clues here. Uh, let's see. One character smokes periodically throughout the movie. Casual drinks with meal. Casual drinks with meal. Mm, must be an Italian. You know, movie. good old casual, casual drinks. <laughs> uh, is it hmm, see-through dresses or see-through bras or whatever the fuck they said? Um, Austin Powers. No. All right. I was tempted to do a bad Austin Powers impression there, but I wasn't that tempted. <laughs> Right, here's the previously revised. I think uh, that would have been groovy, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and we got that on tape. Thank you. Oh, hey, you want to listen to that? You mean you just said that in the year 2020 today? <laughs> That's correct. Oh, behave. Right, this, this is my. <laughs> this is my last clue. <laughs> oh my god! I, I rewatched a uh, gold member like a couple months ago. It's so bad. It's yeah. it's, it's wow. They don't really. The movie opens. No, uh, not at all. Movie opens with a woman undressing, seemingly seductively, getting ready for a spa treatment. No nudity. Couple seen in bed at beginning. Nightgown seen through window as character swings past. One character referred to as nympho, with numerous allusions to sex slash adultery. Two characters seen in bed. Woman in bra for several minutes. Character gets pants soaked by sprinkler. Appears to be masturbating. Clothes trying to dry pants. Been there before. When seen from behind, character has chest hair part of disguise fall in onto private area of woman in spa. And it wasn't Demi Moore either. As, as the character swings past, um, yes. chest hair part of disguise. What the fuck? Yeah, so we see there's a guy, there's a woman undressing, getting ready for the spa. And there's a couple, and this character swings by them. They're calling her a nympho. Uh, there's a woman in, in a bra for several minutes. The character gets soaked by a sprinkler, and it looks like he's whacking off, but he's really just trying to dry his pants. When someone sees him from behind, though, they think he's jerking him, and then he has like a chest hair disguise part that falls out of the woman's vagina area. Interesting. Um, Information. Chest hair disguise. So, 
What's he dressed up like uh, some kind of gorilla or something? I think it's just he's got Chester, like fake Chester. Is it? Um, I'll give you. I'll give you. Go ahead. Is it be cool? <laughs> no. Okay. It's it's from 1989. Okay. Well, well, no, that's I because I was thinking Howard the Duck, but that's I think 89 is too late for that, and because there's a thing of a spawn there. Um, let's see. What came? I'll give you. I'll give you an actor, but it's a very minor role. Their role in this movie is doorman Joe Flaherty. Oh, I know Joe Flaherty. Doorman. Annie um, Potts is also in this movie. Annie Potts, nineteen eighty nine. Okay. Yeah, I'm talking nineteen eighty nine. Annie Potts, not today. <laughs> well, Ghostbusters two came out in nineteen eighty nine, but I don't think it's that. Um, so what other movie would she have been in in 89? Give me another character. Jeffrey Jones plays, uh, like the second main character. Who's Harry Crumb? Who's Harry Crumb? Oh my gosh. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Not a lot of clues on that one. Yeah, but that's no, that, that was good though. That was good at the end. Yeah. Jeffrey. What's funny is Jeffrey Jones was in a Howard the Duck too. So it probably just confused you. (laughs) Right. Well, there's a scene in Howard the Duck where he's in like some, I don't know, it's the weirdest thing in the world. It's some sort of spa with hot tubs and stuff where people fuck. Hopefully it's not within 100 yards of school. <laughs> right. Indoors and everything. And uh, he, but he doesn't wear a disguise. He just looks like an anthropomorphic duck and no one questions it. That's George Lucas for you, everybody. <laughs> Well, it's, at least it's not his worst, uh, you know, film. No, that's true. There's a lot. I can to... think of at least nine that are worse. <laughs> I don't think technically he had anything to do with the last three, so because he had sold it for a for like four billion dollars at that point. Weren't they basically just remakes of the first three? Yes, basically, yeah. Well, the first two were kind of remakes of the first two movie, and then the third one was just uh, basically, what do fans want to see in a movie, and let's put it in a blender, and then just eject it at the screen. <laughs> it was one of the most incoherent pieces of, of crap I've ever seen in my life. Mike, if you if you don't like you know, A New Hope or whatever, which, you know, I know, it, I know it's not the worst one, but, you know, obviously it's not your favorite movie. I, I can't even imagine how you would feel about about uh, the Rise of Skywalker or whatever the fuck it's called. You know, now I have the Howard the Duck theme song in my head. What is the Howard the Duck theme song? It's like, Howard the Duck. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like DuckTales. A little bit. A lot of duck songs are in their own genre. It's like a duck, uh, you know, duck wave, I think we call it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they call it a duck wave. It, it branched off from the uh, the Trashmen uh, with their song "The Bird Is the Word" initially, right? And that's just where it ended up. Yep. <laughs> hey, you want to hear the Howard the Ducks theme song? Hey, oh, come on! Something. Uh, We're not oh. doing a fucking ad for. Uh, I'm not even gonna say what it is. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> Oh my god. 
This is a real movie, guys. <laughs> Holy shit! That's Leah Thompson singing, everybody. Holy shit. Oh my god, that's terrible. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> this is a real also, movie that came out. The beginning of this? Yeah, the, be- at the beginning when Howard the Ducks at, in Duck World, and he, like, there's just for no reason like a topless female duck. Yeah, with duck nipples. Yep. That makes no sense. It does not make any sense. Uh, and he thinks he's going to have sex with Beverly, even though ducks have that like fucking corkscrew. You know, penis yeah, they're like uh, they like they like whip them at the uh, female ducks apparently. Yeah. Uh but you know the movie takes place in Cleveland, so I guess it makes sense. Oh. <laughs> but uh, Mike, we watched, or we watched most of <laughs> Uncut Gems. Yeah, a lot of the Adam Sandler joint on. Actually, the Safety Brothers joint, but on Netflix now. Uh, Mike, what did you think initially of Uncut Gems? Keep in mind, everybody, I, I we usually don't say this because we're talking about a movie. There's going to be spoilers. And by the way, if you, I mean, it's the Statue of Limitations is over on spoilers for this. But just if you don't want to be spoiled, don't listen to the rest of the show or us ever again, probably, I guess. Yeah, we're probably not for you. <laughs> We're for the spoiled. Yeah. We spoil you. That's what we're Grand trying to say. In our car. That's how much we love spoilers. <laughs> That's right. We, we street race with them all the time. Or in our minivans. Korea, Kia Sorento for me. <laughs> with a spoiler. Well, first of all, I wasn't sure if this was, a, was an actual movie or racist propaganda. <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> That makes sense. Oh, like it's like it's like a stereotypical person, a Jewish diamond dealer who's obsessed with sports. Mm-hmm. Yep, basketball specifically, specifically basketball, right? Yep. Which Adam Sandler is in real life obsessed with basketball and apparently pretty good. Yeah, that's I've heard that as well. But yeah, he he's very stereotypically Jewish, uh, like. Adam Sandler is Jewish, obviously, for people that, that don't know, that don't have oh, eyes. Oh, yeah, big time. And, and yeah, it's not like, it, you can tell. It's not like with Paul Rudd. <laughs> you can't tell. But, um, but no, anyway. you got to buy the list, everybody. So, yeah, that's right. You got to buy the list that we, that we print. That's our first, kind of awkwardly, that's our first branded item. I don't know that we should even put this book out. <laughs> The list of all Jews in Hollywood. And then the, and then the, the subtitle is, not that it's important. <laughs> it doesn't really matter, but just for your own information. Oh, my God. Harrison Ford is uh, on the list because he's a quarter Jewish. He only, he only has a quarter page ad, though. Right. But that explains why he keeps crashing his plane. Uh, anyway, so... I don't know. Um, I, that doesn't seem like a, a actual stereotype, but, but yeah, he even. You know they are. They can't fly a plane with this shit, <laughs> or they can, but he's only a quarter, so he can't fly as well. Right. I don't know. 
<laughs> I'm not exactly sure. He only crashes a quarter of the time. I... <laughs> Too bad he wouldn't. He's not have to be way more convenient for this joke. Go, lo- <laughs> go, go! Look it up, Mike. Every uh, every plane crash ever has been flown by a Jewish pilot. Oh God! Or what was it you said earlier before the show? Under their directive. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's the uh <laughs> that's the the underbelly of society that controls everything. Uh cuz you know if you were going <laughs> to if you were going to be in charge of a secret organization to throw everybody off, you'd have your your people be enslaved for the majority of their existence. <laughs> uh anyway, like, so like a, like a Russian like a Jew and like a <laughs> You know, the Soviet Union during the pogroms, he was like reading the propaganda and like his friend's like, why do you read all that stuff? He's like, oh, I want to hear hear about how powerful I am. (laughs) Oh, my God. But anyway, so so Sandler, even though he's Jewish, uses an extra Jewish accent in this movie for some reason. Yeah, and he works as a, he owns a jewelry store in the Diamond District. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, I can't remember his character's name either. Isn't that like extra Jewish too? How I think it's just Howard. Oh, <laughs> Howard sorry. something. Howard Rosengoldenstein. <laughs> uh, I can't remember his last name, but yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. But yeah, it's. I mean, it's. Uh, I, I, he didn't write this, did he? Well, no. There's no uh, Rob Schneider in it, so how could he write it? <laughs> Howard Ratner, that's his last name. Um, no, the the Safdie brothers who directed it wrote it uh, along with their writing partner, who is also Jewish, <laughs> add him to the book, um, Ronald Bronstein. So yeah, huh. but enough. but anyway, so so yeah, go ahead. Uh, what, what, what were your thoughts on the movie? I mean, it was all right. It's kind of, I mean, if, I do like how it doesn't set everything up exactly. I mean, you just see he's like kind of like this hairy, like always busy on the go person. He's mm-hmm. trying to hustle jewelry to people. He's got some kind of like, you know, less than like, you know, savory friends he hangs out with. Uh, he's always so. like, you know, wheeling and dealing. Um, we find out pretty early in the movie, like these bookies are after him or at least one bookie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because he's uh, he's a compu- I don't know if he's a compulsive gambler, but he's he's oh, definitely yes. owes him like a hundred thousand you know dollars you know for I don't know how long it took him to accrue such a debt, but yeah, he owes him all this money, so he's trying to figure out a way to get it. Because the pretty quickly the the um, the bookies like you know henchmen I don't know the leg breakers what do they call them yeah they like uh they, you know they show up and they're you know being progressively worse. They show up at his daughter's uh, recital or play or whatever the fuck that was. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's all right. I have a theory on this. So Kevin Garnett said it because it's very specifically set in 2012. I don't know why, but maybe this is because he wanted uh, Kevin Garnett to seem relevant. Well, so this is what this is how things went. Originally, the part was the, the, the what they wanted to do because they, they were writing this this thing and they wanted uh, a basketball player because they wanted the tie-in story with the basketball player performing better. Uh, because of the gem and everything. And originally, they're New York Knicks fans. Originally, they wanted Amari Stoudemire. Uh, and they kind of were, they were tying in Stoudemire's story of, St- Stoudemire is famously Jewish and black, uh, which, you know, hooks up with the Ethiopian Jews uh, that Adam Sandler talks about, where the, who get these these black opals, um, 
you know, from this mine. And so they were going to tie it in with him and his like, you know, coming to New York and everything. And, and he'd get a real like kind of strong uh, attraction to this gem and, and it would fuel him to play better and, and all this stuff. And then for whatever reason, I can't remember why. And it was supposed to be because they, they've been trying to write this movie for 10 years, I guess. And it was supposed to be, uh, you know, like contemporary. Uh, so then for whatever reason he dropped out, I'm not exactly sure why then they were going to do, or someone was like, Hey, you know, you got to get Kobe Bryant. You got to get Kobe Bryant. He wants to be in movies and everything. So they rewrote the script again, uh, kind of centering it on Kobe. And they're like, we wanted to use games. Like he said, they, they said that they wanted it to be real life. So it had to be games that would be on the East coast games that, you know, where they they performed in real life, you know, better than than average, or they had a good game, or or, or whatever, you know. Um, and so they're like, we, you know, we don't even know if we can find any games where we'd be on the East Coast, where we'd be in New York, and everything. And they said so they they were gonna go with the the game he scored sixty, and I think in Philadelphia or again it might have been against New York. And then their people eventually came back to him and were like, oh, Kobe doesn't want to act so much as he wants to direct. And they're like, well, fuck, you know, we just rewrote this fucking script. He's like, so they went back to the drawing board, then they were going to do it with uh, Joel Embiid. Uh, And then, you know, that, like, then that kind of, uh, they started to, that's, it started to get pushed into the season. And they were like, well, we can't film with him while he's, you know, while the season's going on. So then they were like, well, we're going to have to get a retired player. Uh, you know, and so we'll have to, we'll have to set it, you know, in the past, uh, during games that, you know, like, like, you know, these, these playoff games against Philadelphia, uh, in, in 2012, you know, where, where Garnett played, you know, well in those, in those two games. And so they, someone said Garnett and I guess initially the sad fees, cause they're from New York. Uh, they were like, fuck no, we, we hate Kevin Garnett. And then they talked to him and they were like, you know, this guy can actually act and everything. And Garnett's pretty good in the movie. Um, and then they, uh, you know, so that that's, yeah, how, so that's how they kind of, uh, that's how they kind of arrived at, at Kevin Garnett. And then they realized, oh, actually I would say, actually, I, I would say they realized, oh, he didn't choose to be on the Celtics, but I think he did actually. That was part of a deliberate trade. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Cause he's cause they said when they, the first conversation they had with him, um, they were like they were talking to him, and he was. Uh, I think it was. Um, I can't remember which Ben said for or one of them said, uh, or Safty said that um, he's like, you know, I just want you to know, I hate, I'd like, I hate you, you know, for what you've done to my team. And he's like, oh yeah, how many, uh, how many seconds did uh, Stoudemire have? <laughs> like, he's like, he just referenced a game from like ten years ago where Stoudemire like fucked up when they were playing the Celtics, <laughs> just to like antagonize him. It's hilarious. Nice. But yeah, so so that's kind of the story of how that all came about. Um, if a lot of people say, I don't know if you felt this way or not, but a lot of people talk about how the movie kind of like gives them anxiety or heightens their anxiety. Uh, I think one of the big reasons is, especially at the beginning, I felt like the soundtrack was actively assaulting me. <laughs> Like it's, it's a bunch of really discordant music getting louder and louder. I'm like, Jesus. But yeah, so I don't know if you had this, that same kind of feeling or not, but for the, for the rest of it, it's just kind of, I, I thought this movie was decent. Um, 
I didn't. They so yeah, you know, got a lot of acclaim, especially for Adam Sandler's performance. I didn't find it especially. I mean, he's basically the same character in the Sandy Sandy Wexler movie, but you know, obviously more aggressive. Well, the, here's the thing. So, I, I I've come to realize watching this movie. Uh, everyone's like, oh, Adam Sandler is such a good actor, you know, what he wants to be and, and stuff like that. I've said it before, too. I've come to realize uh, he's not. And, and I don't think he should have been nominated for an Oscar. I think that I think that was the right call. Adam Sandler uh, is a, is very limited in his range as an actor, but he does like he can play a certain role. Well, like, you know, but one thing, basically a harried like angry <laughs> down in his luck dude uh like punch drunk love or, or you know uh rain over me stuff like that um he does that one thing pretty well when in the right hands and this is another example of it you know every you know 10 years or so a director comes along and is like i want to use adam sandler because i've seen him in these other movies and i know exactly how to use him to where he'll be good uh, and then they do it, and everyone's like, Adam Sandler can act again, and uh, then he just goes and does a bunch of shit. Yeah, so, so, yeah. Does. so I thought he was fine in the movie, like you said, but I, I didn't, I wasn't like, oh, this is a, you know, this is a career-changing performance or anything like that. It just didn't strike me in that way. I thought that, I thought that Kevin Garnett was a little, was more, um, was was more captivating in certain scenes like when he first looks at the gem and and all this stuff and he gets he gets immediately kind of like just drawn into it i think he really sells that very well yeah yeah this uh we feel a bit well not really but this movie opens like in this opal mine in uh, ethiopia where they find these rare uh gems and so just on the day that kevin garnett's visiting his jewelry store where kevin garnett's like bodyguards like interact with like you know the uh the uh, what do you, I, I, Shylocks? Do they call? Is what they call the the people who do loans? The loan sharks? The loan sharks? The leg breakers? Whatever they are. Yeah. But, you know they they do a little altercation with them, and then this opal shows up, and he's like uh whatever Adam Sandler's character's name is, so like entranced by it, he shows Kevin Garnett, and like you said, he's immediately fixated, and he like kind of like he kind of like talks him into letting him borrow the opal, and like uh, Adam Sandler gets his uh, ring as collateral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so like you said, like uh, Adam Sandler's character knows he's all hyped up about it, so he goes and immediately like sells it. Or he pawns it for like a, and then he puts all the money and bets on games because he knows he's going to do especially great because he's got this lucky opal situation. Exactly, and the the I think the reason people so here's the thing uh, as I probably mentioned a thousand times I used to work at a casino, so I think one of the reasons that people get anxious watching this movie, which I didn't really get, but I can understand why some people would, is because. Adam Sandler constantly makes the wrong decision. Uh, he's got this $100,000 debt, as you mentioned, to the loan shark, who, who eventually, it's revealed, is his brother. Um, or brother-in-law, I mean, not brother. Yeah, brother-in-law. Uh, and he is divorcing his wife, sort of. Right. Uh, and he has a, a girlfriend on the side in, in, in an apartment. But anyway, so he... he at, at so many times, he has the opportunity to pay this guy back but just decides not to and instead uh, risk it on a game. So he, yeah, he pawns the ring. He goes and bets on Garnett uh, to, to perform well, as you said. And he's, you know, he's got to come back and get this game, but like or get the, uh, the ring back or else he's going to lose it. Kevin Garnett's 2008 championship ring. Uh, but so the, the whole thing about it is, I think the reason that people, 
gets anxious watching it is because of all these like high pressure decisions he's making and stuff like that. But because I've worked in the casino, I think I'm desensitized to it because I've seen so many gambling addicts make so many shitty decisions. (laughs) And eventually you just kind of unfortunately get desensitized to it because you just see it over and over and over again. Um, But yeah, he definitely, he's the kind of person uh, that he doesn't care about the money. Like, he just cares about the only times that he really has a smile on his face the entire movie, other than when he's fucking Julia Fox. Because, I mean, who would not be smiling uh, in that situation? But other than that, the only time he's got a smile on his face is when he's watching a game that he has a ton of money on. And that's it. Like, all he cares about is that dopamine hit. The money is just a way to to be able to do that more and more and more and more. Yeah. And what's funny is uh, I read this book by uh, Artie Lang called like want to bet. It's about like his gambling habits. And he mentioned something called lightning bets. Yes. Which this guy does, which I think is like every point he scores, it's a certain amount of money or something crazy like that. Yeah. So they have, so they have the over under on a game, right? So let's say the over under is a uh, hundred and twenty or it would be more than that for, for two. Uh, yeah. But uh, like 200 or something like that. Let's say the over-under is 200. Uh, so for both teams combined. So if you bet, like a, you play a $1,000 lightning bet. Uh, once the cumulative total of the score is 200, every point they score above that, you win $1,000. <laughs> so I can see, like Artie Lang has described it as betting, uh, like sports betting on crack. <laughs> Or like, you know, like crack of the crack of sports betting, which I can absolutely see. The downside, of course, is that any point they score underneath under, you know, if you're betting the over, then you uh, then you have to pay a thousand dollars for each one. Uh, So I could see how that could get incredibly. But once they reach that score, I mean, that that would have to be an amazing feeling. (laughs) Just every three pointer. It's like three thousand more dollars. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, so see if uh, you, uh, you know, the Golden State Warriors are involved. Right, no shit. Uh, but yeah, so he, yeah, he places all these bets. He ends up winning because Garnett, you know, fueled by the gem and his connection to the gem, has an amazing performance, which happened in real life. Uh, and then, as you said, the, uh, you know, Arno, who is his brother-in-law, shows up at the, the daughter's, like, play, and they have an altercation. Adam Sandler ends up biting one of the guys on the arm. Uh, they throw him into the car. You know, he's like, hey, Arno, you know, look at me, all this stuff and everything. Arno's like, fuck you or whatever. And they mention he's like, hey, you know, I've got your money. You know, I, 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 I hit big on this bet. And uh, the one dude uh, whose character's name is Phil, I think, uh, the uh, the one, you know, the one leg breaker that, is more prominent. The one he didn't bite. He's like, uh, he's like, yeah, we, we know Sam or whatever that bookie's name is. We talked or Gary. He's like, we talked to him and, uh, he's like, you put a stop on the bet. So they stopped the bet from happening because everyone around town knows that Arno loaned him this money. And so everyone's thinking that, you know, he's making a fool out of him and going around, uh, betting with his money. So they took they put a stop on it and they took the money. So he actually didn't hit uh big like he like he thought he did because they they stopped the bet from going through. Um now real interesting it was uh, something that could have been brought to my attention yesterday. Right exactly. But interestingly 
Adam Sandler later in the movie says that he spent $100,000 on this gym. So I'm wondering, and he thinks it's worth like a million dollars. So I'm wondering if the initial $100,000 that Arno loaned him maybe wasn't for gambling, even though he is a terrible gambling addict, but was so he could buy this I mean, you, Opal. He could resist to gamble with it, though. I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. Who knows? He 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 did send them a hundred thousand dollars somehow, so he must have been able to to uh, you know be strong at least uh, for a little bit. Almost he double his money, right? <laughs> I think it just sends like these random like uh, people in Africa a hundred thousand dollars for a gym. Yeah, it's really weird. How did they even get it? Like, do they? I mean. First, not to—I I don't want to sound racist or anything. Mike and I are both fully aware that the images that you normally see of Africa is not all of Africa. We understand that Johannesburg and you know Nairobi and, and places like this—if you look at pictures of them—look like you know giant, like even bigger than New York City. And and there's you know there's infrastructure there in places. But the two guys that we see at the beginning of the movie who are miners, who find this, they, it doesn't seem like they're close to civilization in Ethiopia. So I'm not sure, like, they, they must have gone into, you know, one of the big cities and, and opened a bank account or something to get this money. That's my guess. Yeah, the logistics are maddening. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It bothers me. Um, but no, so yeah, he sends them $100,000. He gets the gem sent to him in a fish. Uh, to get through customs. Yes. <laughs> and so, yeah, like, whenever people send, like, whenever people send like cash in the mail, it just seems so risky. No, I agree. Maybe they Western unioned it. I don't know. Maybe they uh, had a, a rich uncle that you could, you know, send them the money. And then, you know, as part of laundering a larger amount that they would then forward to you, they also give you this gym. <laughs> exactly. It was the, it was the Nigerian prince in reverse. That's what Adam Sandler did. <laughs> yeah so he shows up at his play um it makes him strip naked and he locks him in the trunk yes and then he's got to call his his wife that's that he's divorcing him adina menzel yeah, this poor guy right no kidding yeah he's he he was with uh adina menzel and now he's with uh julia fox so yeah, they, Adam Sandler. That's the most unbelievable thing about the whole movie is that Adam Sandler could get these two. Non-rich and famous Adam Sandler could get these two women. Yeah, it's much like with uh, David Spade and uh, the movie we watched, uh, the, the two Missies. Right. But, uh, uh, but yeah, so uh, that's uh, we see him, you know, she has to call her for help. Mm-hmm. He goes to a party hosted by The Weeknd for some reason. I, I don't understand, but maybe, you know. They thought that was cool as an older person. I guess I think I think Julia Fox maybe uh, her her character like I don't know she had some connection to it somehow like she was either friends with them or I don't know I don't know exactly she worked in his diamond store I don't exactly sh- I wasn't exactly sure what her connection to the weekend was. a model or something I don't know I guess I don't know. Yeah, so uh, he tries to get the opal back from his, uh, you know, his friend, but he said Garnett still has it, you know, which obviously pisses him off. Mm-hmm. Uh, he finds his girlfriend uh, and uh, the weekend like snorting coke together in the bathroom. Yeah, where where the weekend so like, the weekend's trying to make out with her, and she keeps saying no, although she does feel his dick. Oh lord, <laughs> she didn't want to make out. That's too intimate. Right. Exactly. 
So he gets yeah, all so, uh, he gets all pissed well. off. He gets all he pissed off that she's his wife again, right? Yeah, it, and that's kind of where I uh, I kind of wasn't able to watch. I, I I went physically back to work last week. I still haven't got my schedule down. So yeah, unfortunately, uh, I didn't finish this, even though I had an extra day because I forgot we were supposed to record yesterday entirely. <laughs> it's okay. So yeah, his wife his wife says to him, um. Because he's, he's saying, like, hey, you know, I want to, uh, like, can we give it another try and all this stuff? And his wife says to him, you're the most annoying person that I've ever known in my entire life. I can't stand being around you. I wish that I could leave you and never speak to you again. <laughs> Which, obviously, they can't because they have kids. Uh, and, you know, basically just says you're fucking miserable. Um, and then, so he's like, oh, okay, I guess we're not getting back together. <laughs> That was at Passover, at Passover dinner, which is where we find out that Arno is his uh, is his brother-in-law. Uh, so after... Th- yeah, we've already mentioned too that there's a plan to... Because Garnet offers to buy this opal. You yeah. Know, but it's promised for an auction. Yep. So that he does return it before the auction and he offers, you know, to buy it, but, you know, he refuses. And that like that actually is a, like where I was done. So what happens after that is... I'll I'll, I'll go through it real quick for you and, and all of this. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> Nothing happens after that. Uh, what happens after that is that he goes, so he takes the gem to the auction house uh, where they have reassessed the value of it to between from 175000 to $225,000 or something like that. It might be 125000 to to 200000 or something like that, but way less than the million dollars he thought it was going to be. And he's pissed off. He he's he's saying, "Hey, you know, you have to reassess this and everything." She's like, "Look, you brought me a piece on Friday that's going to an auction that's on Monday. The fact that we were even able to get it in and get it appraised is amazing. We're not going to do a reappraisal. You can pull the item, which would be great because I don't want to deal with you anymore, or." Leave it as is, but those are your options. So he ends up leaving it in there, and he says to his father-in-law, Judd Hirsch, uh, whose name is Gooey, I believe, (laughs) he says to him, uh, hey, you come to the auction with me. Garnett's going to be there. Because he told Garnett, he's like, hey, you know, you want it, come to the auction and bid on it. Uh, And he says, hey, go there. We're going to bid up Garnett and get more money for uh, for this gem. So he does. Uh, Judd Hirsch ends up bidding up to $190,000 and uh, Garnett's there with some sort of like assistant or something like that or consultant who's basically like the whole time you can't hear what she's saying, but she's like whispering in his ear like, no, no, this is too much. This is too much, you know, and uh, finally at 190000 he doesn't go to 200000 He bows out and... Uh, fucking Judd Hirsch ends up getting the getting the opal, his father-in-law. So he gives it back to uh, Adam Sandler, and, and Sandler's like, hey, Garnett obviously wants it. I'm going to sell it back to him. I'll pay you back. I'll give you the the you know the interest and everything and all like i'll pay you back the full amount that you that you um that you paid for it and everything i'll I'll make it right and so he calls up garnett garnett says yeah i'll buy it for one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars he comes to his to his diamond store and at the same time arno and his fucking goons that those two goons show up at the store as well 
and Garnett gives him money in cash. Uh, you know, he takes off. It's a real weird editing moment here because one moment he's in the his the office with with Adam Sandler, and then the guys come in and they're like they want the money and everything too. And then Garnett's just gone, and it, like we never see him leave. It's kind of a it's kind of a weird editing moment. Uh, but anyway, so at that point, I see him. Yeah, exactly. At that point, he can just give the money to Arno, the hundred thousand he owes him, and be done with it. But instead, he decides to give the hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars to Julia Fox, and says her name. Her character's name is Julia too, but I don't know. I don't know what her last name is. And, Julia. Yeah, Julia Gulia. That's right. <laughs> and he says, "Hey." I, I called a blade, which is a, a helicopter company, apparently. Uh, and he says, they're going to take you to the roof of the Mohican Sun Casino. I wrote down a bet, a, a parlay bet. Give this to the person. This is what you want. All this money. Bet it. So she does. Uh, you know, she takes the thing there. She gets she gets uh, flown there by this eccentric dude named uh, whose real name is Wayne Diamond. Oh geez. Yeah, just a, a really weird eccentric guy that apparently Neil Diamond's uh, less fortunate brother. Yeah, well, apparently he designed all the dresses for Vanna White. Huh. Yeah, it's okay. His story's his story's super weird. He came he came to Florida when he was like a teenager, and uh, he was at this like resort. Ooh, that's too early. <laughs> yeah. He was at this resort. Well, you should see him too. He looks pan fried. Like that's what his skin looks like. But um, he came to this resort and everyone was like signing their name for these, this, these meals, like the lunch or whatever, you know, breakfast. And cause you know, they're members of this. Res- okay. Well, they're members of this resort. So they just like, they call a name and they're like, Hey, your breakfast is ready. And they sign for it. And cause they your have breakfast an- is ready. Cause they have an account there and then they go eat it. Right. Um, and he was penniless and had no money and, and, and nothing. Both? Yeah. Penniless and no money. And he was broke. <laughs> Can you believe it? All through the big three. Was he dirt poor too? <laughs> Not quite there, but he had nothing to eat either. So he heard a name called. Oh, wait, didn't he have money for food? <laughs> So he heard a name called and he's like, I'm going to just go up there and sign for this fucking thing. The name was Meyer Lansky. Oh no. Which I'm not, not I don't know if anyone's familiar, but is a uh, mobster, (laughs) like an accountant for the mob uh, back in the day. So, uh, the basis for Hyman Roth and, uh, the Godfather part two. Right. So electric free to Lou. Yep. So, uh, Meyer Lansky comes up to him and is like, Hey, asshole what are you doing and he basically explains his life story i was there he's got no money and all this stuff and everything and meyer lansky's like hey do you- oh, he didn't have any money <laughs> meyer lansky said hey <laughs> can you add numbers quickly in your head and he's like yeah and so he gave him like five numbers or something he added them up and he's like i like you kid you know you got a good head and everything uh uh when you're back you know he's like i'm going i'm gonna be in new york soon or whatever uh, if you ever need a job up there, you know, let me know and stuff. Uh, he never took a job there, but he got, well, he, he, so Meyer Lansky he went up north to grab the, uh, you know, now hiring sign and brought it to him to indicate that he was now hired. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he did. 
<laughs> but apparently Meyer Lansky funded his first business for like fashion, designing designing clothes and stuff and uh for women. And oh, they weren't zoot suits? Nope. No, no, they were they were clothes for women. He said he liked uh women to look good or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, um so he he said he found out that Lansky was like uh like skimming money off the top. So he um he cut him out of the business and is still alive, I guess. I don't he's a weird dude. Uh if you've ever seen an interview with him, which obviously you have, uh you'll know that he's not poor anymore. But <laughs> but he uh he's a weird guy anyway so he takes julia to the mohican sun she makes the bet uh if they win it's 1.2 million dollars for this hundred and sixty thousand dollar bet so arno's dudes are like we're gonna go get this fucking woman uh let's they don't use that nice a word uh but let's go and that little you remember a word that's not as nice as fucking what the hell could that word be i know but (laughs) from duke but uh you know that the let's go get this cheater (laughs) exactly you know the in and out door that he's got where he's got a push the the buzzer and then it opens and then i don't know what they call that that little vestibule like, it's almost like an airlock like it's like a security feature where at jewelry store sometimes you'll see like a well just like an airlock you'll be in there and then once they clear you with open the next door you can't i don't know if you can open both doors at the same time i imagine you can't no you can't so he no bad attitude so he buzz he starts to buzz them out they go in there, the door closes, and then he just locks them there. He doesn't let them out. And they're like, come on, you fucking asshole. The one guy pulls a gun out, and he's like, he's pointing at him through the glass. He's like, let us out. And they're all pissed off and everything. He's like, no, no, we're going to watch this game. So he turns, there's a TV there. He turns the game on, and they all end up watching the game. He ends up winning $1.2 million. Uh, Julia gets the money. She's in a limo, about to come back. Earlier... Uh, because it, the one of the mobster guys was on the phone and Adam Sandler thought that he was going to go to his house. So he called his wife and made up this story about there being a gas leak and told her to take uh, the kids and her and go to a one of her friend's houses, uh, which she does. Um, so the game the game's over. He won. Arno is like, oh my God, I can't believe you did it. Like, he's happy and everything. He's like, I can't believe this. Uh, Adam Sandler's on the phone with Julia. He's, she's like, I got the money and everything. He's like, oh, you know, this is great. I'm going to fuck you so hard tonight. He opens the uh, the door, and then uh, Phil, the, uh, the you know, the, the leg breaker that's been the main one, uh, pulls his gun out and shoots him in the eye and kills him. <laughs> uh, th- <laughs> then Arno's like what the fuck are you doing? Um, he's like, uh, he looks at him and he goes like, he's got the gun to his head and he's like, you know, calm the fuck down or you'll end up next to him. Uh, and everything. He pushes him against the wall. Uh, he says to his buddy, give me bags. And stuff. Seriously making out with him. <laughs> he he's like, give me bags or something. They start breaking the glass They're They're stealing all the diamonds and stuff. Arno like breaks, tries to get away. Uh, the guy, uh, grabs him, uh, stands him kind of next to where Sandler is, shoots him in the head, kills him, uh, and then they start, you know, stealing the the shit. Now, 
they go, they like, they see that you see Julia and she's coming back. I assume she's coming back to the jewelry store because that's the last place that she saw him. Uh, but the wife is like, I'm going to call the police because, you know, she's like, hey, he was in a trunk and I think something fucking weird's going on and I don't like this at all. And he sounded scared. So she's calling the police to go to where he's at, which is the jewelry store. So presumably the police will get there before Julia is because she's in, I believe, uh, Mohican's son is in Connecticut, I think. It's it, it's a bit of a drive from, from uh, you know, where they are to, to New York. So presumably they're not going to kill her. Although maybe they know what she looks like. I, I don't know. I, they, they could, who knows what's going to happen to her character, but then uh, it's kind of like focuses on Adam Sandler's dead face with the like blood had, you know, that's pooled and everything. He's got this big smile on his face. And then we go into his blood, kind of like an episode of house. Uh, and it's like, it, it's reflecting colors like the gem and it's the universe and all this shit. Um, and it's kind of like, it's very heavy symbolism of, oh, Adam Sandler is also an uncut gem, just like this opal. And it's like, I get uh, it. He wasn't circumcised. Right. <laughs> I And it's like, I, I get it, you know, because at the beginning of the movie. I don't think anyone calls that a gem. No, not at all. <laughs> but Hope you enjoyed the fungus family. <laughs> but at the beginning of the movie, when they find the, the opal, uh, it's because this dude got his leg like horribly burned or blown up or whatever. Um, and it's That's like, a pretty serious burn curse. yeah, it is. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, the opal uh, causes pain to the people around it or, or did cause, you know, it, it hurt people. Right. Adam Sandler's also, you know, an, an uncut gem and he causes pain to everybody else. Like, I think a lot of people look at this ending and they're like, oh, that's so sad and everything. He's dead. Um, I think it's supposed to be a happy ending, to be honest with you, because if you look at this movie from any other perspective than than Howard's, which is, you know, the perspective we're given in the movie. But if you look at it from any other perspective, he's the villain because uh, his girlfriend is. Like, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, he's given her like a lot of stuff and, you know, monetary stuff like the apartment and everything. But, you know, she's emotionally manipulated by him all the time. She's, you know, put down by him all the time. Uh, his ex-wife obviously hates him. There's a scene with his daughter where she, there's a scene where with his daughter where she's like pa- barely paying attention to him. And he's like supposed to go up and and like uh, read his kid to sleep or whatever. And he's sitting there watching the game. He obviously doesn't have strong relationships with his kids and he's caused them pain. And in certain ways uh, he's given Arno grief. He's given his father-in-law grief. Basically everybody around him is worse and, you know, is in some form of self-destruction because of his horrible self-destruction. And the reason that the, the, the guy kills him, the, the, uh, the leg breaker guy kills him is because it doesn't, because he knows it doesn't matter. Like this 1.2 million, who gives a fuck? Like the, he'll give him the hundred thousand. He could give him, tw- he can give him double. He could give him 200,000. That million dollars is going to be gone soon. Just like with a- any gambling addict and look at what he put them through to get their, you know, to get their money. He made them look like fucking chumps and he was given he, he was given chance after chance after chance, and he treated them like assholes. 
the entire time. So he kills him because he's like, fuck this guy. This, it's like, it's just never going to end. The, the thing that, um, the thing that makes me more angry <laughs> about the ending is the fact that he kills Arno. And the reason that that makes me angry is because that's his boss. Like, you can't just fucking kill your boss or else we'd all kill our bosses. Oh, no. Let's hope you're not self-employed, people. I was going to say I'm my own boss. <laughs> well, I hope you don't shoot yourself in the back of the head. Right. Twice. twice. <laughs> but it just like... Some good old Vince Foster. Remember that guy? Right. Oh, yeah. Oh. We solved that. I mean, suicide. But yeah, so I, I like to me, that's what the ending is. The ending is supposed to be a happy. Now all these people can be free. Julia's got one point two million dollars. She can start a, a life for herself. Uh, the wife doesn't have to go through a messy and painful divorce. Um, you know, Arno's dead, so it doesn't matter. But the uh, the father in law, you know, what'd you say? Well, he's dead. Yeah, exactly. That's the best. Um, so yeah, I think it's supposed to be, I think it's, it's the only way that, that all these people can be free of him and his horrible influence. And I think that's what's, I I think that's why it's supposed to be a happy ending, but I don't think he should have shot his boss. I, I I think that was a bridge too far for me. There's wrong and there's right. And that's not right. Exactly. That just, that makes me not like that character now. Kill, killing Adam no, that, Sandler, that's, that's fine. You know he's a villain. Yeah, who, who wouldn't want to kill that character? <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, so that's uh, that's pretty much how the movie goes. Um, I liked it. I, I still, I'm still i still thinking about it. Like, I'll be going through the day, and, and scenes from the movie will occur to me, and I'll think about it, and I'm like, yeah, this movie got to me a little bit. Now, the Safdie brothers also made a movie called Good Time, uh, with Robert Pattinson, which has a similar-ish plot to this. But it also features J.J. Walker. Well, you know what's funny is John Amos is in this movie. Yeah, he is in this movie. Playing himself. Yeah, he yeah, he plays himself. He's he's a neighbor of uh of Adam Sandler's character in the apartment. And the the old, I always like John Amos. He's really good. He like he they go up to like his kids got to use the bathroom. He doesn't want him to use the uh, the the apartment bathroom because I think Julia's in there or whatever. And he's like uh, he says to John Amos, "Can he use the bathroom?" And John Amos goes, "No," and closes the door. <laughs> it doesn't have to be him at all, but it's just awesome that he's in this movie. Yeah, I, I like him. He's he was uh, he was really good on uh, Fresh Prince. Obviously, good times. He's in Die Hard too. Yeah, actually. Yep. He, he's 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 always good. He's he's someone who's always good and everything. Uh but yeah, that's that's the movie. I I I liked it. It wasn't. I didn't love it, but I thought it was good. Do you think there's a great opportunity to make a movie called Uncut Gems, spelled J I M apostrophe S for the uh, adult market? There you go. Can you find a bunch of guys named Jim, though? You don't want to be false advertising. No. Uncut gyms. <laughs> that would be the best porn uh, The best porn name for it. Would it? What did you think about the, the gold-plated and like diamond-encrusted Furbies that he had? In that was his... kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it kind of makes sense. I think they were kind of saying he like came up by like designing kind of crazy, wacky jewelry pieces like that. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of like... Well, like, you know, how you always see like rappers with like crazy jewelry. There are people out there who make that kind of stuff. Yeah, he's one of them. 
Yep, exactly. A Jewish guy obsessed with black culture and basketball. I don't want to be stereotypical, so it's not just rappers, uh, investment bankers too, I assume. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I know that my financial planner wears a uh, you know a giant gold hubcap. Well, I go to Wu Tang Financial, and uh, cash does rule everything around me. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, um, oh, you know what? I I keep going back to thinking about uh, is Breaking Bad. Yeah, I love that show. I think I think about that a lot. Just like the whole, it, it's a really interesting. I mean, if you rewatch it deliberately from the perspective that. Walter is the villain the whole time. It's a, it, 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 I mean, it's, so you know what I'm saying today? And I, I don't know that it makes sense. I don't think it does make sense logically, but I almost seems like they did some foreshadowing with Walter being very good, like to be mechanically inclined. So that later when he makes the bomb to blow up Gus, you know, it makes sense because mm-hmm. if he just did that out of nowhere, be like, what the fuck? How does I know how to make bombs? Right. <laughs> yes. You see him like under his house. He's like, you know, fixing the car. He's, you know, the whole, I mean, he makes that, you know, he, he blows up a uh, Tuco at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, I, I, I can't imagine. I don't think they knew what was going to happen there when they started doing all this stuff, but it's just crazy that it's, a, it, you don't even blink because it makes, they very gently escalate the unbelievability to the point where at the end you don't even care. I mean, it's just all suspicion of the disbelief is just, it's, it's there even yep. for someone like me. Yep, exactly. Well, and the, you know, the more, the more entertaining something is, the better, you know, the better job they do entertaining you, the more people are willing to suspend their disbelief. Yeah, because really, I mean, the whole thing, the whole premise of the entire thing is insane. It's, it's, it's like a James Bond villain, like, you know, with like a, uh, uh, what the, a gritty reboot as he used to call it. Yeah. Oh yeah, the gritty reboot. Uh, go, that's going back to 2012. I mean, really, uh, Jesse is always the main. I mean, Jesse's the main character. I mean, if you think about it, and mm-hmm. it's just almost like a Rosencrantz and uh, Bernstein kind of thing, where you just have like the you know the the. I mean, you're basically just you're watching the the hero's like evil friend the whole time. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Basically, and you, yes. and you have to add El, and you have to add El Camino at the end for it to all make sense. But if you add that at the end, it's it's all about Jesse the whole time. Who was supposed to be killed off? Yeah. Amazing. Aaron Paul. Great job. Great job not being killed off. Yeah. Uh, thank the writers for that one. Adam Sandler. Bad job. He got killed off. I guess they wanted to have Jonah. They wanted to have Jonah Hill in this at one point, but then Adam Sandler got back into it. Weird. I don't know. They want to be even more racist. I don't know if an award work as well with Jonah Hill. It depends I, on if he was thin or fat at the time, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I can just imagine fat, funny Jonah Hill in this role. <laughs> <laughs> you guys Please. want this money? <laughs> <laughs> he just plays it as a comedy the whole time. <laughs> hey, look, it's Seth Rogen, my other friend. <laughs> Hey guys! Oh, he's playing himself. Though. <laughs> you guys got any pot? Come on, I know this gonna, guy's holding. I'm gonna swear a lot, okay? <laughs> oh, you're so flabby and charming. Thank you. Not you, but <laughs> oh, I'm not charming. Ah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean that's basically all I got. That's the episode yep. for the week. Yep, that's it. See you next time. <laughs> Bye.